bit ago trying to get it clipped on my belt. So it's in my back pocket. But I'm thankful today for each one of you. Thankful for the Lord's presence. Um, I appreciate when he visits with us. There's, there's no, I've never found anything like the presence of the Lord. And I'm quite certain I never will. I appreciate him today. Again, appreciate this day. And uh, thankful that God has so blessed us. And I pray today that if you've not talked to him today, I pray that you do for the days out. And hopefully for this service is over with, that if there's anything you need to get from God, anything you need, uh, I promise he has what you're looking for. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1, Lord willing, uh, I'll probably get back into James next week. Maybe tonight, I don't know yet, but... uh, just felt like God said just take a little break there, so that's what I've tried to do. But Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1, we're going to read that little, cha- little chapter there in Psalms chapter 1, the six verses. Is everybody there? Sounds like most people are. So the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, but sit, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, God, for blessing us so much, Lord, the way that you have. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence when we feel you in our hearts. God, I pray that everyone this morning was full with you. God, if not, then Lord, I pray if there's something they need to do, God, to experience that, and God, I pray that you show them that clearly, and Lord, that they would have the courage to do so. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for investing in it the way that you have, God, and you have so invested us in it as well. God, thank you for allowing us to have such an amazing book, God, as your Bible. Lord, and a a salvation that helps us uh, receive your word with with the gift of the Holy Spirit that then helps us read it and interpret it and understand it. God, that's beyond human minds, but we thank you for it. We praise you for it. Go with us now through this day. God, help us, Lord, to love you like we should, be committed to you like we should, and God, just be encouraged in you like we should. And we thank you and we praise you. Touch hearts as needed, Lord. Use me as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, I'm thinking about this, and about every book of the Bible has some kind of opening statement, opening introduction, if you think about it. Uh, our epistles, the Old Testament books, the history books, the prophets, whatever it may be. Uh, I know a lot of times in the epistles, uh, Paul would write his, you know, that uh, he would greet the people, uh, announce himself, and that's one reason why there's a great debate on who wrote the book of Hebrews. I kind of struggle with myself on who was the actual author, but nevertheless, we're thankful that uh, we have these introductions to the books, and it's kind of looks like us, if we read a book or a letter, there's usually always an introductory statement. Uh, something to give you an idea of what's going on with the rest of this book, the rest of this chapter, the rest of whatever. Psalms is a little different, even though I believe this is an introductory statement. 
because we know that uh, the Psalms, each, each one of those are songs. Uh, they're so unique and each one, uh, most of them were written by David. Not all of them were. They got different authors. The Psalms does. It's totally different than any book in all the Bible. And what I want to share with you is, is some things today. I also give you, uh, take a little time out here and I'll tie this in to give you a little history lesson. Do you understand, and I forgot about this, I was taught this in school, I doubt kids are today, but do most of you realize where we get B.C. and A.D. from? Where that came from? How that came to be? There was a Roman emperor named Constantine uh, from A.D. 272 to 357 who implemented reforms that stopped the systematic persecution of Christians. He also instituted the calendar we use, dividing all of history into B.C. before Christ and A.D. and Odemani, or in the year of our Lord, or in the year of the Lord. And today we have a move to secularize this system and to change labels to C.E., Common Era, and B.C.E., Before Common Era. That's probably what kids are taught today in school, more than likely. Uh, I doubt they're taught the truth on why we have B.C. and A.D., and it is another move to try to move God out of our society and out of our life. But yet, no matter how hard we try to do that, our society and our leaders and our government does, God's never moved. And you're not going to move Him. You're not going to change Him. I thought Brother Earl at time, he got up here, this has been repeated many times, and said he's always wondered what would happen if something that couldn't be stopped hit something that couldn't be moved. Well, I'm going to tell you, God's both. He can't be stopped and He can't be moved. And yet, he doesn't run into himself. He's always there. The thing is, man runs into him everywhere we go, every time we go somewhere. And I want to share this with you today and hopefully be a little bit of an encouragement to you and try to give you something to feed on this a little bit. Now, in verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We know if we look at the definition of these, these words, we understand and we know that the Bible is telling us not to take counsel from the ungodly. That means not take counsel from somebody that's lost. You better be careful what counsel you gather from somebody that's not a born-again Christian. I advise you not to go to them for any much wisdom. I advise you not to go to them for understanding especially the Bible and things of the world they can help you with. Some people that's not saved, yeah, they might be able to tell you how to make money or this or that, but they can't tell you the biblical way to do it. They might know some of the Bible ways, but they don't have Holy Spirit inside of them leading them. I strongly, strongly urge any Christian that seeks a counselor, if at all possible, to seek one that is a Christian, not to seek out a counselor of any type, of any kind that is lost because they can't give you Bible, biblical counseling. And that is what the Bible is teaching us here. He said, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Don't get in the way of a sinner coming to know Christ. Don't be the one who somehow affects that. And certainly don't be around people that does or sit in the seat of the scornful. I hate I hope and I think we all know what scornful means. Anger. Somebody that's always upset. Somebody that can't be made happy. Don't hang around them people. Don't sit in a seat with them in their presence. So number one, let me say this, uh, delight in his leadership. If you'll delight in the leadership of the Lord, you'll be blessed. 
Notice it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sinneth in the sea of the scornful. He said, if you'll make your delight in the law of the Lord, things will be better, things will be happier, and you'll have delight from God. The word delight here means a valuable thing. It's a valuable thing to have God here to lead us. It's a valuable thing to have God on our side, to know that no matter what, He's with us. He's there with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I thought as Jimmy was talking this morning and how he said that Jesus died alone and the only time that he was ever separated from the Father was on the cross. And I thank God he suffered hell for you and I. He knows what hell is like so you and I don't have to go to hell and suffer hell. I delight in his leadership. I'm serving a God and you're serving a God that knows what tomorrow holds, knows what your tomorrow holds, knows what my tomorrow holds, and knows what we need to do in today and tomorrow. I thank God that he leads me in the path of righteousness. He's never led me wrong. He's never gave me bad counsel. He's never gave me bad advice. He's never told me the wrong thing to do. He's never had to come back and say, well, I misled you. I messed up. I didn't tell you right. Thank God he's always right, and he's right on time. He is the delight of the counsel that you need today. Delight in his leadership, not the leadership of the world, not the leadership of your heart, your friends, or even your family sometimes, but delight in his leadership of the Lord. That's where you'll find it. A valuable thing. Verse 2, he says, but his delight, there's where I got my title, by the way, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Let me ask you a question. Do you like delight yourself in the word of God? Do you meditate? Do you think about his word day and night? I gotta be honest with you, there's times I don't like I should. Because the more of God's word that we have, the less we've got of everything else. How much are we putting other things ahead of God? How much are we spending time doing other things when we could be in our Bible, when we could be in prayer? How much time are we delighting in that? Is our, Number two, delight in his law. Number one, delight in his leadership. Number two, delight in his law. Do you realize the laws of God's word is there to protect us, not to harm us? Let me give you a quick illustration. God designed us with certain ways, certain tendencies, certain things. We have eight things that work in our life and things that work against our life. And he designed us that way. And we see, we go about our days, and I guess about everybody in here other than these babies, uh, I hope they haven't driven a vehicle yet. I'd like to sit back and watch, not be nearby. Uh, but, you know, it'd be entertaining. I know Jimmy said one time, he's going to literally drive the church van. I said, can I watch? Uh, that was a joke, by the way. But you realize that the roads we have are set up and designed for our safety. Some roads have a double line. Double line. Some roads are single line country roads. They single lane, as they're called. They have no divider line in the middle. You also see there's places in West Virginia that there's not very many places where there's one line broken or one line solid. That means you can pass. You've got to look for them opportunities sometimes in the state of West Virginia. Those double lines are there to protect you. 
There's a speed limit on those roads to say, this is the safe speed that you can drive on this road and be safe. If you go over this, you are, you are then becoming at an unsafe speed. You see, those laws are there to protect us and keep us from getting hurt. God's laws that we should meditate in are there to protect us and keep us from getting hurt, keep us from bringing harm to our lives, keep us from bringing hurt in our lives and regret and shame and sorrow because if you break God's laws and you do things your way, you will then have regret, shame, sorrow. There'll be things wrong in your life and you'll wonder why because we did not delight ourselves in His Word. It's a valuable thing to delight yourself in the law of God. We need to see that. But His delight is in the law of the Lord. Happy. Delight also means happy. That's also what blessed means. Enjoyable. And he doeth meditate day and night. What does your mind go to most of the time? When your mind starts wandering off into sinful thoughts, you need to replace it with the word of God. You need to say no, reject that thought. Replace it with the word of God. Replace it with a song. Something of God. Something valuable that will help you and encourage you. Not let your mind drift off and wander into sin in places that it shouldn't be. But thank God I have his law to look at. Not something else that's no good for me. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let me ask you a question. Is your life prosperous? And I don't mean the American dream where you got the white picket fence, the big two-story house and a brand new car in the driveway. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Is it prosperous for God? Is the things you do in your life, are they sure? Are you sure the decisions that you're making that tomorrow is going to bring what you want it to bring? Now, we know, what, we know that we don't know what tomorrow brings. I understand that. I'm not preaching a contradiction here. But what I'm saying is, have you delighted yourself in God enough that you feel confident that you're in the will of God, that what you're doing is, is, is surety of God, the decisions you've made, the places you've been, the friends you've hung out with, the things you've watched? Let me ask you, are you sure that they'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water? I've not seen too many trees by a creek river that died. But I've sure seen some that were monsters. I've never seen them die out for lack of water. I may be old age or something, but I've not seen too many of them wither away because of lack of water. Hey, thank God I want his river of life flowing through me every day of my life. And number three, you need to delight in his life. Number one, delight in his leadership. Number two, delight in his law. Number three, in his life. Have you delighted yourself in the life of God, in the life of Jesus? Because that is where life is at. Do you know in heaven, there's actually going to be, the river of life is going to flow and we're going to be able to sit by it. There's trees that's going to be in the middle of that that we go to and pick fruit off of and daily it brings new fruit every day. The river of life that flows from the throne of God, the river of life that Jesus gave you and I, the well of life that springs up inside of us the moment we're saved. Have you delighted yourself in his life, in the way that life that God wants you to live? It'll be so much better if we'll just delight ourselves with him. Rather than trying to delight ourselves half in the world, half in Him. It doesn't work that way, folks. That's called sin. And it's always going to end wrong. It never goes right. Are you delighting yourself 
in his life, in the life that he offers. You know, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. You and I are going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And sometimes we live like we're going to live here forever and he's just going to be a figment of our imagination. Folks, it's not like that. I want to be as prepared to spend eternity in heaven as I can be. I want to get to know him here so when I get there he won't be such a stranger. I think there's some Christians going to look at him and say, oh, that's him. No, I better move on. Um, Let me ask you something. Have you done anything for God that's lasting? That you can look and say it prospers? That it's like a tree that's been planted by the river of life? And it's there and it's growing, it's bearing fruit. Have you done anything for Jesus Christ that you can look back and say, in your heart, and know, not brag about it, but look back and say, there's one of my trees. There's a tree I can look back and see where God used me here, God used me there. Thank God He's given us all an opportunity. If we'll just let Him use us, they'll be prosperous in your life. He'll be prospering you in the ways of Him. But you've got to let Him do it His way. By His law, not yours and mine. Where's your delight at today? I want mine to be in his leadership, in his law, in his life. Number four, let me read verse four. I'm moving right along, Andy. Y'all proud of me, aren't you? He says, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. In case you don't understand this or know this, I'll give you a quick leverage. Well, number four is the light in his leverage. I'll explain that in a second. I'll give you a little bit of what a uh, wheat stone looked like, threshing floor. They'd gather the wheat and lay it. They had a, it was concrete or usually it was a ground that was so smooth, smoothed out and hard. A lot of times they would harden the ground there and then lay that wheat upon that and they would take a, a huge stone pulled by animals and go in a circle and it would mash that wheat and it would press it down to where the chaff uh, was, uh, the wind would come along and blow the weeds, or not the, not the weeds, but blow the useless parts away. And what was left was the wheat there for you to gather up. And they would also have uh, threshing uh, floors, and they would take ways that they could beat that wheat and get so much of it that way as well. But it was primarily used on a threshing floor, and that wind would drive it away, all the waste that was left. And what was left behind was the wheat. If you don't delight yourself in the Lord and get a hold of His leverage, you're going to be blown away and tossed to and fro, just like James talked about the wind. You're going to constantly be going back and forth. I wonder what's right, what's wrong. Why is this going on, God? Why is this happening going on, God? I don't know why sometimes, but if you'll anchor yourself in God, you'll worry less about what's going on and worry more about what you can do for Him. You'll wonder, God, how are you going to fix this? I don't know how He's going to fix it, but your trust will be where it needs to be. Your heart will be planted in Him. But if you don't delight yourself in His law, in His life, in His leadership, and let Him leverage your life, you'll always be wondering and questioning what in the world is going on. How do I fix this and that's what gets us in trouble most of the time because I got in the way I got myself here and we need God to get us out there have been a lot of times I got me in a bad situation that wasn't good and I needed help and God had to drive out the chaff he had to put me on the threshing floor he had to put me under that wheel a couple times and, 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 
and bring out some things in my life that needed to go and be blown away. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. It hurt. I didn't care for it. I had to make life changes, lifestyle changes. But oh, thank God the end is worth it. Thank you, Jesus, that you protected me. You've helped me. You gave me your law. You made my life better. Oh, thank God I've got him and he's got me and he's got my leadership in mind every single day of my life. Thank God I can count on him. I don't want to be like the chaff with the wind driven away. I want my sin like that, but not my life. So number four, delight in his leverage. You may not like what he wants to do sometimes. Sometimes he may put you through the wine press or the wheat press or whatever press you want to think about. But I'm telling you now, if in the end, if you allow him to put you through that, you'll be glad. And it may hurt, it may pain, it may suffer. But in the end, you will be glad. Because your life will be so much better for it. Verse 5. It's the quickest I've ever preached six points in my life. Verse 5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I want you to think about this for a minute. Notice how he, how the contradiction we see here, the comparison. He starts out talking about people that are blessed and why they're blessed and, and how you can be like a tree planted by water and everything you do will prosper. Then he goes to the ungodly. They're not so. They're not going to be like a tree planted by water. Their life is going to become shambles. They're going to fall down. They're going to die one day. And in fact, if you're lost, you're already dead, but you're going to die and go to hell where you'll be there forever. And thank God I don't have to worry about that. But here he's continuing on his comparison saying the ungodly are going to suffer. They're going to be driven away. And it may not seem like it sometimes by the way this world and this country is going. But trust me, God's not missing one trick. He's not taken by surprise. He's aware of what's going on. And one day this ungodly world will see who God is. In verse 5 he says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So number five, delight in his litigation. <laughs> litigation basically means a legal trial. And I've got a lawyer that can't be bought off. I've got a judge that sits on the throne and he's not going to be crooked. You're not going to vote him out. He's not going to be found guilty of some kind of foul crime. He's not going to be found guilty of swindling somebody using his authority or power in an abusive way. Thank God I've got a maid when it comes to him in this case. I know without a doubt that I do. I thank God I've got assurance in him and I know where I'm going. I'm his and he's mine and I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to think about that. I belong to Jesus today. The ungodly should not stand in the judgment. I've witnessed the people before. Two stories I'll tell you real quickly and I'll try to get into a bit more of the interpretation and move on. Look at one man I was working with and I said, what are you going to do when you stand for Jesus? He said, I'll hold my chest out, hold my head high and say I did my best. I said, no you won't. And that's the last thing you're going to do. I said, you're going to bow down before him. I said, you're going to beg for mercy and it's going to be too late. He said, well, I just don't see it that way. I said, you will. You see, they can't stand in the judgment of Jesus. Do you realize you and I one day, we'll stand at the Bema seat. Let me explain to you, there's two judgments. Don't ever forget this. For some reason, some people get these confused and can't get them right. Two judgments. One is the judgment seat of Christ, which is also called the Bema seat. The Bema seat means reward. And then there's the great white throne of judgment. Who's going to be at which? Christians are at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. The lost are at the great white throne of judgment. 
uh, Caleb Lindsay told me he was at some church one time and some singers got up with singing and said, I can't wait one day when we stand for the great white throne of judgment get my rewards. Caleb shouted out and said, you might be there, but I'm not. <laughs> Thank God I believe I'd have done the same thing on that one. You and I will be behind the great white throne of judgment. We'll be present. But you and I are not judged there if you're saved. If you're lost, that's where you're judged. And you'll not stand. You know the Bible teaches that you'll ask and beg to flee from God when the lost stand there before him? I don't know what it's going to be like when we see Jesus and stand before his judgment seat as Christians. The Bible tells us some, I don't think we're going to stand there with our chest held high or head bowed, reared up. I don't think it's going to be that way. But I can tell you this, I can stand in the judgment when it comes to his judgment of lost and saved. I was witness to another guy one time at work and he threw out that famous verse all lost people like to use, judge not lest he be not judged. I looked him day and night. I said, I'll tell you what, let's make a deal. I said, I'll take that judgment. He kind of looked at me and said, oh yeah, I'll gladly accept that judgment. I said, I'll accept the very judgment that I'm putting on you right now. I had his attention then. I said, let me tell you why. I said, because I have passed that judgment because I have passed some death and the life. What about you? Are you that sure? He wasn't much on holding that conversation much longer. I said, I said, you realize what the context of that verse is? We had a little Bible lesson there for a moment. I'm not sure he's crazy about my Bible lesson, but I wasn't belligerent, I wasn't sarcastic, but I wanted him to understand the interpretation of that verse and what that verse means, and I hope you know as well. Yeah, you could apply it to exactly how it sounds. I get that, but you better keep it in its context. So let me tell you something. I have passed the judgment of sin because of salvation of Jesus Christ in my life. I will stand in that judgment one day and be found innocent. Thank God I have already stood in that judgment and be found innocent. I don't have to worry about that. We're sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Sinners can't stand where you and I stand. They can't go before God, uh, the God's throne, and ask for mercy and grace and forgiveness. They can't pray for a miracle. They can ask for mercy and grace and forgiveness if God calls them and God is speaking to them, but they can't go to God and as a father like you and I can. Do you realize I can go to my heavenly father and talk to him like I do my dad? And you know what? My dad loves me, and I'm sure about every time I go to him, anything he can do for me, he'll do it within reason. My heavenly father loves me way more than my dad ever can. Some of you didn't have that privilege. Some of you didn't have a dad that loved you like that. My heart goes out to people that live like that and don't know what it's like. But I'll tell you this, if you're born again, you've got a heavenly father that'll love you like no dad on earth ever can. He'll give you way more than any dad on earth ever can if you'll just delight in his law if you'll delight in his leadership, in his law, in his life, delight in his leverage, whatever he needs to put you through, and I delight in his litigation. <laughs> Thank God he's, he's there to, to, to protect me and, and, and counsel me and be my counselor, be my lawyer. He ever liveth to intercede for you and I. Thank God for that. Verse 6. It says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. He goes back to a little bit of a comparison here. So number six, I delight in the Lord's love. <laughs> delight in the Lord's love. You know, 
There's one thing about it, and I think sometimes we fail to realize this. God knows everything you do and why you do it. He knows if you're doing it just out of love for Him, out of love for somebody else, out of duty, out of hope that somehow you get some kind of return, out of shame, out of whatever your motivation may be, God knows it. He knows every thought that you you have. He knows every word that you say. And by the way, it is documented. It is written down. And he's not missing one trick. If you've been out here sinning, doing things you know a Christian ought not be doing, trying to fit in, trying to uh, play with the crowd or whatever it may be, I don't care how old you are, all of us can fall into that. He knows everything you're doing. He's not missed one thing. He knows your ways. Amazed. Sometimes at how some Christians act and they say they're saved and say, well, God, God forgives me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. God will forgive you. I won't argue with you. What about the consequences of what you're doing? You know, I've, I've, a parent that loves their child will correct that child. I didn't say beat and misuse and abuse. Although a little switching it hurt for a little bit, that's the idea. We get the word wrong most of the time. Sometimes there's two verses, two of the most misquoted in the Bible. People say money's the root of all evil. No money's not. Money could care less about you. The love of money is the root of all evil. We leave out that word love. There's nothing wrong with money. It can't hurt you. But if you love it, it can. We also misquote the verse in Proverbs that if you Spare the rod, you spoil the child. We leave out one word. Does we know what it is? If you spare the rod, you hate the child, is what it says. Read your Bible, folks. See what it tells you. You see parents that won't correct their children? I'd look them day and die and say, you hate that kid, don't you? You despise that child. Because you're not correcting them in the way of the Lord. You're not teaching them to fear God, fear you, and teaching them the word of God like you should be. That's what the Bible says. So because my heavenly Father does not hate me but loves me, he corrects me, he guides me, and he, and he puts me on my way, keeps me going the path he needs me to go. And he knoweth the way of the righteous. He knows what I'm doing is right and wrong. He knows what I need and when I need it. And I need to submit myself to him and be willing to go through whatever he wants to put me through and do whatever he asks me to do, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how hard, no matter how much I don't want to do it, no matter how much it doesn't appeal to this flesh. Yes, my flesh likes to do things. Yes, my flesh sometimes I like to stay home from church. Yes, my flesh would sometimes like to go here or go there and do that, but I can't because it's not God's way. And I know I'll pay a price for it every single time. I need his favor. I need his fellowship. I want his love always exploding in my heart. I want to hear the sweet honeybees of heaven buzzing in my soul, don't you? I want that in my life. I want the sweet flowers blooming in my soul of the heavenly fragrance that comes through only God and Him only. You ain't going to get that from this world. You'll get it from one place, and that's God. And I'm, I say this, and I'm done. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. We can debate on ungodly people making 
lifelong changes. I don't know if Constantine was a Christian or not. I know he was the first Roman emperor in years that had mercy on Christians. Do you realize what the other Roman emperors before him did? Has anybody ever heard of the Colosseum? They captured Christians, put them in a Colosseum, turned lines loose on them. They would come out with gladiators. The Christians would be barely armed. The gladiators would be armed to the hilt. I've said years, for years, I'll say it again. They went to the Colosseum. We go to the movie theater. Folks, there's no difference. The blood and gore at the movie theater is the same as it was there. You say, well, it's not in person. It sure looks like it. And he's the first one that said, you know what? We need to, we need to quit doing this to these people. They're not doing a thing wrong. And he made a change that has lasted to this day. A.D., B.C. It's still yet with us. Well, I wonder something. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's say Constantine was never born again. He died lost. What change he might have made might last on this earth. But in eternity, it means nothing. It's useless. It's worthless. The only thing it might bring is more punishment. I've said this. Stephen Hawking was one of the most brilliant people that's ever lived. Some of you have never heard of him. He was absolutely an astounding genius. He was as foolish as anybody that's ever breathed air. He had multiple sclerosis. He couldn't talk, and he made a machine that talked for him, read his thoughts, and spoke those thoughts out. You tell me that ain't smart? He was also, he, he died a few years ago. He was an atheist. He no longer is. Some of his theories and things that he's he done will last on this earth. I wonder one day what it's going to be like when he stands with his kids before the great white throne of judgment. Just humor me a minute. I don't know that it will happen this way, but just humor me. I'm done. I'm, I'm getting ready to finish. I wonder if he stands there. He won't have multiple sclerosis then, by the way. I don't know that he won't suffer the pains of it. I, I, I'm serious. Folks, hell's going to be worse than you and I can imagine. But I wonder if he'll stand there when he sees God face to face for the first time. And he has to look his kids in the eye and say, I knew in my heart, deep inside it wasn't right, but I lied to you because of me, you're here today. I wonder what you and I will have to look around at times in eternity at the judgment seats and look people in the eye and say, because of me, you're suffering this way or that way. I wonder what that's going to be like one day because your whole life is put on display and everything you've ever done, said, or thought is brought into judgment for Jesus or against him if you're a Christian. And what you and I do with our life, how much we delight ourselves in the Lord, is going to dictate how that goes. Now, I don't know that it will be that way, but I think it very well could be. Imagine standing there. You see people that you allowed God to use you. You allowed God to change your life and make you do things that you didn't like and was uncomfortable. Do you think it was comfortable for me sometimes to get up and preach? It's not. I know I'm different than a lot of people. I don't care to be a center of attention sometimes. It does not bother me one bit. In, in the comedy barn, they said, we need a volunteer. I stood up in front of hundreds of people and said, I'm your man. 
and he wouldn't pick me, so I, re- I wouldn't go for a long time. <laughs> I protested. Sometimes God wants us so delighted in him that we don't see the pain and sorrow and the hurt we're going through in life. All we see is him. We see him. Right now, Dale Vance is facing the possibility of his wife dying. Some of you don't realize how bad a shape she hasn't been able to eat in close to a month. She throws up constantly. I can't imagine how skinny and poor she is right now. She's in a hospital in Pittsburgh. They went back up there Friday for keeping her to her surgery Friday. It's about a 13-hour surgery, and there's numerous surgeons involved. He's aware of the possibility of this. Right now, there's a lady laying down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, named Tony Justice, 51 years old. I was at the beach the other day. She went on the balcony to smoke a cigarette. She got up that morning. She walked back inside, hit the floor. Her daughter found her. They either she had an aneurysm or some kind of brain bleed. She's on a ventilator. They don't know if she's going to live or die. I wonder how much their families have stopped and thought the last few days. What is the real value of life? Things that used to matter to you when it comes to life and death, they don't mean much, do they, Brother John? They don't mean a thing. What you do for eternity and your love for God, that's going to last. Father, we thank you again for this time together. And God, I pray that, Lord, I have not failed you this morning. God, I fail you, I feel like on a regular basis. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I, I don't always delight myself in you like I should. God, I'm sorry that I don't follow you like I should. I don't love you sometimes like I should. God, I'm sorry that I know my lack of love and my lack of devotion to you and not delighting myself in you is going to cost me. It has and will again. Lord, I pray that this day forward I can delight myself in you more every day like we all need to. God, when I don't, Lord, it's not just me that suffers, but God, everybody around me suffers too. And I pray that you up and see that as well. I pray that you do with this message what only you can. God, I thank you and I praise you. I ask you, Lord, to please help us today, encourage us in your word. In Jesus' your name we pray. Amen. As we stand, we get a song. If you have a need this morning, I